Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com slash cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here with Creative Plan Podcast Network. Just wanted to kind of touch base with you guys, let you know what's been going on in case you haven't seen it on the Patreon. But we've got four different polls of what new games we wanted to play coming up in 2022 now that we have successfully made it. It is January the 6th after all. So the first poll I wanted to tell you about was for D&D Journey of the 5th Edition in 2022. What is the new campaign setting going to be for a new game? And it looks like it is Iron Kingdoms for 5th edition D&D. It's a uh, pretty fun setting that for the old school Iron Kingdoms group. It's a few years down the timeline after the Infernals have attempted to harvest all the souls on the world. Where the group get to play elves of two different varieties. One that's very cold and icy. Another one that's sad and very lonely. Because Iron Kingdoms is a very bleak, depressing setting I've noticed. You can play the Trollkin, giant Scottish trolls. Or you can play uh, dwarves or four different nations of humans. They've got the very Cossacky Russian style, the Avalonian style, the liberated folks that are out in the Providence there, and you know a few different spots. But the cool thing about the setting is, is it's one of the few D&D settings that I do like that has firearms. Generally, I always keep firearms out of my D&D because... I don't want my fantasy mixing with my steampunk fantasy. But in Iron Kingdoms, it is very heavy steampunk. In fact, they have a uh, option, depending on which career you take, you can actually have a steam jack, which is a giant coal-eating steam-powered magical robot that can serve as your, your minion, basically. And it, it is a fun aspect of the game. They are very expensive for your character to maintain, so you... You use your steam jack pretty pretty sparingly unless you know you have combat or you need something to pull a wagon with, which can totally be a thing. And I know, Kelly, we did a little fun little one-shot over at Tucson Games and Gadgets for their Steampunk Day uh, about three, four months ago, that she played the Gun Mage, which if you've ever seen the animation Outlaw Star where they have the caster bullets that do different tricks... The Gun Mage is a really good representation that they can actually do magic bullet stuff. It's like in the movie Wanted where you can bend the bullet. You know, that's actually one of the abilities they've got. So that should be pretty interesting. 
So for that game, uh, we do have some open seats. So if anybody's interested, please shoot me a message on Facebook over at Creative Plane Podcast Network or shoot me an email at Gmail. And uh, if you're interested, we're looking to probably be playing bi-weekly Sundays, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I've got a few patrons I'm waiting to hear back from first for free seats, but I think we're probably going to have one or two seats at least free for that that one. So that's, that's the one that we have set up the date and time for the folks that want to play it. So that's that's going to be interesting. Probably the 30th is when we're going to have our session zero for that one, which I'm thinking pretty much for Iron Kingdoms, we're going to go straight to the podcast with the episodes. But on our session zero, we just might put it on the Twitch channel. You know, just, just so you guys can see how a session zero gets hashed out and things get played out so you can find out in a good solid session zero what what it looks like, you know, for other playing groups. Because I know I've been asked that question before of during a session zero exactly what you should aim for and what uh, what you need to get taken care of, you know, just to make sure that everybody's on the same story. So speaking of story for the group, I had the poll on Facebook to see what kind of in... Iron Kingdoms, one of the important things is you have to decide as a group what your company is going to be. That's basically what the group's goal is. And they picked Intrepid Investigators. So it's very Indiana Jonesy. You work for a university, which the city of Corvus in, in the main, basically the Avalonian community, you know, very blue and silver colors and very known as the very England-ish city, even though it's kind of like England and Paris mushed together. If you were to, to steal some real world inspiration for the cities, that it looks like most likely that's going to be their starting off point. So they're going to be sent to probably investigate the undercity as well as a few other places. So that should be interesting because the university will totally send these guys off to go do different investigations because the world does have a very rich history and many, many World War style wars that have destroyed cities and left, you know, ruins and all kinds of dirty little secrets. And depending on what players pick, you could totally have some elves that are seekers who are trying to re regain the power of their dead gods because most of their gods died. and It was really, really, really depressing and bleak. Again, Iron Kingdoms, it is a very bleak diesel fuel, you know, steam and diesel fueled, you know, lifestyle with trains, unlike uh, Eberron's lightning rails. It's just like in Eberron, how they've recovered from a great world war that happened not too long ago. So lots of, you know, and if you get a chance, Iron Kingdoms is based on the tabletop war game that then became an RPG, which back in 3.5, they, they, they had a 3.5 source book out there, which... I've I have a copy, thank God, because the price of those are very expensive now. I discovered, but uh, I have some hard copies of some of the old Iron Kingdoms books that have a lot of the good fluff information. Because you know, it's you know, I totally hope someone wants to play a gobber because that's what the game calls civilized goblins that basically take the place of halflings and gnomes in the world because those are just you know adorable. They really remind me of the goblins from World of Warcraft, you know. So that is for D&D. Let me pull up the next panel. For the superhero games, that was one that was I was asked uh, that when would we be playing superheroes because a few friends were interested in that. So I threw it out there of what different uh, you know settings or game books we wanted to use. And it looks like Heroes Unlimited from Palladium is the winner there. 
So we don't know exactly when. I'm assuming for heroes, I would like a Saturday morning superheroes, but that's just me. We could probably do it on uh, Twitch and or on the Creative Flame Podcast Network's podcast because we have been rather neglectful of getting games on the podcast. We've been doing everything on Twitch, which I hope you've been able to keep up on Twitch. If not, we are getting all the Twitch videos imported into YouTube and getting our YouTube channel straightened out so you can find the different playlists for the different games. Right now, we do have the Dungeons & Dread currently all of the episodes up, except for last night's episode, which we have a new person that has joined the team. Speaking of steampunk, it's a mechanical man. Or, you know, as you know, we know the Warforge is called in D&D, but this is interesting that we have now a Warforge in a world full of vampires. He's totally going to be the guy that doesn't have to worry about the werewolf or the vampire biting him. Now the question is, will the ghost try to possess him as the suit of armor? There's an idea. So Heroes Unlimited, and it's going to be based in a real-world city. I'm not sure if you guys would like to vote on what city, or if I should just randomly grab L.A. or New York. You know, Probably New York, as we all know from Marvel Universe. It is like one of the most popular superhero cities, and it's totally easy to steal Google Maps for your map, for your game table, as well as, you know, borrow some Marvel inspiration and a little bit of D&D inspiration, because we all know that the Bronx and New York's and Manhattan are basically Metropolis and Gotham City, you know, especially in the newest movies where they say they're basically across each other in the Bay. So let me know about that if you'd be interested in those games. Usually in the Patreon page at patreon slash cppn, I always tell folks to drop a comment if you'd like to join in on one of the games, so that way I can add your name to the list. So either hit me up on Facebook or on Patreon or on the uh, Gmail at creativeplaypodcastnet for net at gmail.com and uh, let me know what you're interested in to play and what your availability is because we we probably are going to be a saturday morning for the superheroes mainly because i just like saturday morning cartoons for superheroes I'm just gonna say and most of our game times were usually set pacific and this would be like morning ish you know like a two or three hour morning session usually one thing i do like with palladium is combat is fast and furious and you can get a lot accomplished in a two-hour session. So that way, you know, totally in a two- to three-hour session, you can have an ongoing campaign going with, with lots of storytelling happening. Because it's more than just beating up on the bad guys. It's all about the superhero drama. And uh, speaking of the drama, the next poll, which was time for something a little post-apocalypse. And I was surprised by this one. Pleasantly surprised, of course, but it looks like of all the games that were very apocalyptic, it looks like Mutant Year Zero won out. So for that one, I'm not sure what night we'll be playing this, but this will definitely be an after-work night game because that'll totally just get us in the mood for spooky apocalypticness, running into some, you know, zone ghouls and other things. So for Mutant Year Zero, the group's going to need to pick between an when you play the game, and we're totally going to play the story game that's in the book, because I love the campaign setting that's in there, and the story has a really good payoff at the end, of what kind of arc the group are wanting. So when you play Mutant Year Zero, you're all basically a bunch of 18 to 20-year-old mutants who was raised by the Great Elder. 
And the elder has taken care of you all your whole lives. You know, you always remember that he's been there or she's been there to take care of you. And all of you have pretty much built a society amongst your own. It's totally a uh, Peter Pan meets Lord of the Flies type of thing. And depending on what uh, the group picks as part of their, their dynamic, because you can actually evolve your arc as a character of its own as part of gameplay. So you you would play you guys exploring the area around you because unfortunately, you know, food and water has been become scarce. And the elder is apparently ill and elderly and, and he's being taken care of by the cabal in the, in the arc. And you need to go out and find things to keep you guys going. So part of the thing is your group will be exploring. And of course, it's it's very much a hex crawl, you know, old school, you know, gaming hex crawl where you pick a square on the map and you roll randomly to see what's there. And then, you know, you deal with the role playing aspects and all. And when you find and loot items, you have to decide whether you're going to keep the gear or surrender it to the community as a whole to improve the community status. So if you find a machine gun, do you keep this said machine gun that's super cool because guns are rare in the future and bullets are currency? Or do you give it to your community to raise your defense so that way the defenders of the community can you know, protect it easier? Which, by the way, as part of the game, when you wrap up the game session, is you also roll to see randomly what happens to the community as a whole. So you can totally come come back from your adventure and find out that bandits have raided, raided the community. The douchebag guy who considers himself the boss of the community is having a hostile takeover where he wants to be in charge. You could totally have like the Starscream jerk trying to take over, even though he's the worst person to take over. He feels entitled to take over. And, you know, now your group's next session is having to deal with that. And as you build up your community, community, each each session, you guys will vote as a group to as a meta part of the game, as a group of the players of how the group is investing in progress for your community. Are you investing in food, defense, weapons, technology? How is it you guys are developing as a whole in the community? And that, that's just one aspect I love about Mutant Year Zero is you get this cool dynamic of the players have their own characters, which, by the way, as you play, your character is a mutant who, of course... As you crit fail on dice rolls, you actually spontaneously mutate more and get more random powers. The nice thing is no two characters have the same exact powers, so you can be Flyboy and you can be Frog Woman, you know. So, so there's some cool dichotomies that happen there. But also, the more you mutate, the weaker physically you get. And that's the cost. You get this cool power, but your character is slowly mutating and falling to pieces which kind of breaks in that whole aspect of, you know, mutating is fun, but mutating is horrible because these are not stable mutations. And of course, as we'll be playing the campaign, we'll be figuring out the story that's behind this apocalyptic future. And, you know, also in that one, we need to decide on, is it the scrapyard arc or the crashed, the, the beached cruise ship? So if you guys got any suggestions, I'll totally put a, a little vote out there on the, the Facebook page for Creative Flame Podcast Network of whether you guys think the, the arc should be a beached cruise ship or if it should be a scrapyard, which is basically like a junkyard 
that the that the, the, the mutants have fortified over the years. And each one has its pros and cons, which is good. The big thing being that uh, you have a small amount of water and a small amount of food that's running out, and you have to go out and fetch and bring back. You know, that that's the, kind of the whole goal is you guys need to keep the community together as a whole. So that's going to be for a post-apocalyptic game. And as we have an apocalyptic dog barking in the backyard, we then have something strange for change in 2022. That poll, I had a bunch of different random games that I know people have been wanting to play and have come up in conversation. So I threw out there for uh, Rift's Wormwood, uh, The Strange, and Numenera from the Cypher System, and Blades in the Dark, because I personally am a huge fan of Blades in the Dark, because it's an awesome setting, which totally gives into the whole steampunk lifestyle of Blades in the Dark, where there's a haunted city with an electric fence keeping ghosts in and out, and, you know, you can totally have, you know, risen players that you, your character dies and you come back to life, but... I digress. The winner of that poll was Numenera, which is basically the ninth world of the ninth apocalypse. That it's it's a mix between uh, future tech and Thundar the Barbarian, as I jokingly tell people, where it's it's a strange and unusual world where you have magical items called ciphers that you use often. I mean, pretty much as soon as you get a cipher you would want to expect your character to use that cipher so they can get some more. And, you know, it's it's because the world has been, you know, destroyed and rebuilt eight or nine times already. So things are insanely crazy in this world. And uh, we're not sure exactly which campaign we're going to go with. I've got some ideas out there. And I'm thinking it just depends on the players and what the players pick. So in Numenera, it's Monty Cook's games, uh, Monty Cook's idea of it's sort of a D20 system, but not. In the game, you have three stats, your speed, your might, and your intelligence. So those are your hit points, as well as your dice pool that you can use to increase your abilities. So in Numenera, one of the big things with the game mechanics is the players are the only ones that pick up D20s. GMs don't have to pick up a dice. GMs have this beautiful thing called the GM intrusion that uh, when a player rolls a natural one, something happens. And, and you guys have heard me in a few other games before say that uh, it's not that you suck. It's just that something bad happens. So all of a sudden, and it's funny because when you look at, if you, if you ever get your hands on the monster manual for this game, there are certain suggestions that are thrown out there. Like, you know, if you're fighting this slime, you hit it with a GM intrusion and it splits in half and multiplies. Or, you know, you're fighting this burrowing creature and all of a sudden the ground beneath everyone collapses, splitting the party. So it, it, GM intrusion is a cool thing in, in the regards to when it happens, sucks to be you but there's a reward that the gm will reward an experience point to the player that's being basically victimized and experience points can be spent for for instant return as in like you know getting bonuses on dice roll or saved up to level your character up. one cool thing with numenera is you can opt to have one person leveling faster than the others and there's not really a lot of game imbalance which is cool but a second experience point is given to that same player to give to somebody else around the table. 
So it definitely engenders that whole group play that, you know, even though bad things are happening, we're succeeding as a team. And one thing I do like with Numenera is your character's whole stats are basically broken down to, now, don't get me wrong, they get ridiculously complicated. I'll be honest with you on that one. But your character is a blank blank who blanks. So it could be a, I am a agile glaive, and glaive is the big heavy weapons fighter, the tank kind of character. So agile means I have, you know, a bonus to agility and I can do agility stunts. And who is, and then blank. So I could totally say infested with micro machines, you know, and there, there's a huge list of things. And as your character levels up, you get new abilities. And most of the abilities have a cost from either your speed, might, or intellect pool. So your hit points is also your mana, basically, for using abilities. So it's cool that as a player, you get like a glaive has a reduced might cost. So anything that takes a point of might is is one point less than normal. So if he's using a one point might ability, a glaive is using that chop all the time without it costing him anything because he's he's able to reduce the cost for might on that one and then when he wants to make things easier you can actually spend points to reduce the difficulty that you're rolling against so one thing in the cipher system which is a really cool system by the way it's a little more complicated for players but it is a cool system that you can actually put in effort to reduce the difficulty. So you're spending some of your effort and you're explaining it off by you're using your intelligence, your might, or your uh, speed to drop the difficulty. You know, so you're basically using your head, using your brawn, or using just your, your nimbleness, like fast hands or fast feet, or even you could use speed and say it's your fast mouth. You know, it could totally be a, I'm fast talking because I'm super quick, you know. And you can reduce the difficulty. And most of the numbers are divided by threes. So like a tier one is uh, you have to roll a three or better on the dice. You know, so it's one of those that any time in that game you want to succeed, you can totally buy your way down. And if you have tools, that drops the difficulty down. And there's a there's a bunch of cool ways of making sure that you super succeed when you want to succeed, which is one thing I really do enjoy in a game system when they actually have a mechanic in there to make sure that when players need to be a rock star, they can totally own the scene and be a rock star. Granted, there is that diminishing returns that where you start losing your points. And they do have an interesting system that that is on the character sheets, which is nice, for the different tiers of healing. You can, you know, sort of like... It's, it's a little more punishing than, say, Edge of Empire, where you have the you heal a little less each time you heal with the stim pack type of deal. But you definitely see that, you know, okay, for, in one hour I heal this much. Now in one day I heal this much. And basically it, it keeps you from sort of doing the, uh, like in fourth edition, spending healing surges all day long. And not really being depleted because you rest before you know, you ran out of healing surges. Which, which is good because it gives you the option to recover. And it also gives you the option as the GM to put the player in a bad spot because they've overexerted themselves. Which totally has that feel of, of when you pushed your character. You know you're up against the ropes and here's how the situation is playing out. So that's going to be for Numenera. I'm thinking that's probably going to be a bi-weekly Wednesday night game. 
probably starting at like nine o'clock uh, mountain time or or Pacific. Depends. If, if we start after March, it would probably be Pacific time. If we're before March, it would be mountain time, nine o'clock. So we're, we're kind of up in the air there. And I am, like I said, I am looking for players who would be interested in playing that. Uh, if you are interested, again, hit me up on Facebook or on Gmail and let me know you'd like a spot and feel free to throw out ideas. I mean, I always tell players don't like hardcore set yourself down to a character until session zero. So that way you get, you know what the group's dynamic is going to be. Cause that's one of the ones I want to totally do is, you know, as a group, what is your group's goal? You know, are you just a bunch of survivors in the Numenera future trying to just get by? Are you guys trying to protect a community? Are you weapons for hire? You know, what is the group goal before people start selecting stuff? Though I'd really love a cool Jack, which is literally the Jack of all trades, a Jack, a agile Jack who sports two melee weapons. And basically that, that you become this cool duelist. Yes, totally a Drizzt Jordan knockoff, you know, but to make sure you know what it is you're making as a group, because session zeros are important to make sure that you guys are on the same channel and not redundantly picking up the same stuff. Like, you know, you guys have heard us talk about certain certain games where folks have not made it to session zero and then jumped in there with an idea. And it's like, great character idea. But you totally just copied the person who did show up to session zero and said, I will get, take this slot in the food chain. So that's that's totally, you know, one of those ones that, that let us know what you want to jump in with and play. And we'll see what we can do to make a regular regular game happen. I mean, I'm also looking to see about having a bunch of one-shots happening because the one-shots are always a great way to introduce settings and characters like that because this way you can have a one-shot and massacre all the players and nobody has hurt feels afterwards because it was all a doomed mission from the beginning. But now we have revealed the big bad. And also, out of character, as a GM, you get to describe and show a bunch of things that you don't want to say to your players, but that you want to say, hey, here's this cool, badass thing that I can do as a GM, but I'm not going to do it to you guys, because that would just be wrong. Because as a GM, I've got an unlimited budget, and I totally want to whip out the big shiny toys, but I don't want to murder you all or give you the shiny toys. By the way, GMs out there, yes. If you use something against your players, eventually they will get their little, 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 little greedy player hands like a raccoon onto it. And just like Rocket Raccoon, they will get the item and they will use the item and it will be hilarious when it happens. But of course, don't tell your players that you'll think it's hilarious because eventually you'll have to destroy, take, or just quit the game at that point. Which, by the way, that is the worst way ever to give your players something super cool and then basically blow up the setting because it's like you just gave them the shiny. It's far better to give them the shiny and let them become the bad guys with the shiny than to, to end a game's you know, campaign. Just, just going to throw that one out there because there's nothing better than doing what I always call the angel ending where you give, like if you've ever seen the series Angel, if you're the wolf ram in the heart, you give the heroes the big bad organization to run. And now it's their problem because, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. So you can totally put your players in charge and realize, 
oh man, this is the last thing I wanted was to be in charge. I mean, it's sort of like Loki. If you've watched the Thor's, you know, Marvel Universe movies, once Loki gets the power and the authority, he's totally like, ugh, I have to run this now. I, I just wanted the, th the throne and the crown and the groveling and 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 the, the, the being the master of the universe. I didn't want to actually have to do a day job. Which that that alone can be actually kind of fun watching your players have to scramble when now that they're in charge that they've got to deal with the mundane bullcrap. Oh, the mundane bullcrap. <laughs> okay, so now we know what's going on. We've got uh, four new games started on the Patreon page. I'm going to post a few of the things for polls on the Facebook as well as the Patreon. Most likely I'm going to try to put stuff on the Facebook because I know a few folks can't vote on Patreon unless, you know, you have a login. But on the Facebook, at least, you can totally vote. I was wondering if you guys would prefer if I posted more on Twitch, because Twitch has a really good poll system, whereas Facebook, it's kind of a pain in the butt to do their polls. So you guys kind of let me know, and that way I know what to, what to, what to do for, for doing the votes and stuff. Alrighty, guys, it is January the 6th. We're totally going to be getting some new games rocking and rolling. We've got, uh, currently, we've got the Dungeons and Dread bi-weekly on Wednesday on Twitch. We've got the Imperial Entanglements bi-weekly on Sundays on Twitch. 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time right now. We have the Heroes of the Realms, or no, Heroes and Gods, which is our mystic odyssey of Theros group happening Monday nights bi-weekly. We have had a bit of a hiccup thanks to the holidays, but I think all you gamers out there totally understand the whole uh, holiday breakdown of, of gaming groups because all of our families don't realize how that goes when we want to get to our game session on time. We have bi-weekly Saturday nights, both starting at 9 o'clock, but on alternate weekends. Our uh, Kyrus Foundation group, which is totally a Charlie's Angels cyberpunk group in New Angeles in the Shadow of the Beanstalk. Then on the alternating Saturdays, we have our Weeby Rebels or also Thunder Squad. A Age of Rebellion Star Wars team that basically have become a bunch of badasses in space. There are set just after the destruction of the first Death Star playing uh, the new Fantasy Flight games, which is totally not new, but still one of my favorite systems. I'm totally thinking now that Book of Boba Fett's out, we should totally be doing something more Bounty Hunter-ish, but that's just me. I totally want to get a Bounty Hunter game going because those are fun, because you can totally have it. So the player's on a one-shot mission, basically, week after week after week, and if they don't accomplish the mission, it just means the bounty got away. I still tease that uh, back when we used to be able to play in the game store, that there should have been a weekly bounty set up to see which player group got the bounty the quickest and keep track of which bounty hunters leveled up and got the most cash. Because that's kind of just a fun concept. And we also have not a lot of D&D going on, unfortunately. Our Goblins of Conquest Group 2, kind of why they're not on tonight, is we had a bunch of holiday uh, snafus happen with our scheduling but uh, we should be coming back to a normal schedule starting not this sunday but next sunday 
So once they get going with that one, we'll totally have... I'm trying to see if we can have the Goblins of Conquest episodes going at least bi-weekly and the Iron Kingdoms episodes going weekly, like an hour to an hour and a half episode each week. So it all depends on once we get the ball rolling for Iron Kingdoms as well as, you know, Goblins of Conquest. Still super missing the group one for Goblins of Conquest, but everybody's still behaving. I mean, the whole the whole COVID is still going on, so we haven't been able to get to play in person. And uh, we also have the Feelis game, but that's been unfortunately canceled for the holidays a lot, which I think that's the running theme is games canceled for the holidays. And next week, I was totally going to see if we can get some of our GM friends to get together to have some GM talk. So if you guys have any questions that you would like a bunch of old school game masters to talk about, go ahead and shoot them to creativeplaypodcastnet at gmail.com. And I can go ahead and get them all sorted out and sent out to my fellow GMs so we can get together and have a world building slash GM chat. Because I figured uh, that would probably be a good thing to talk about over the weekend when it's coming to new new games starting up soon. Because everybody's gearing up for 2022 as the year where we get back to gaming full time. Even if it's just electronic gaming on your virtual tabletops. Or totally just getting together with your friends on Skype or YouTube or Discord. And just, you know, talking your games through. You know, you don't have to have a virtual tabletop. You can totally get on Skype for free. I mean, if you have Microsoft, you know, if you have a Hotmail, you've got a Skype. Or getting on Discord, you know, you could totally have, like we've done, the Skype app on your cell phone. So you're playing along with your cell phone and just doing theater of the mind style play. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the virtual tabletop because it can save me so much work as a GM of I can show, don't tell, and totally make sure you still tell, even if you're showing a cool battle map. Because they, they, there will totally be somebody who missed some important detail. So always remember to throw lots of details at your players. Because that's totally how you get them immersed. Or is that because you're beating up on them with bad guys? Remember, bad guys are always a good way to immerse your characters. Because they hate your bad guys. Just like with good TV shows. They hate your bad guys. They're buying the fiction. And they're buying into the game setting. I mean... As I joke with my fellow Game of Thrones you know, friends out there, Prince Joffrey, if you hated him, that means the actor did a great job to make him so hateable that once he was gone off the show, you were happy the little turd was gone. Which, of course, you know, just like when you tell them to look at the flowers, just remember the character and the player are two different people. You know, so always make sure you respect the player and respect the game. It's funny how when you're talking role-playing games, that can mean something totally different. Alrighty, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get this edited and posted now that I'm out from work. Uh, yes, by the way, those who are watching the Twitch channel after hours on the weekdays, we're moving our schedule back a little bit because now I'm back at working from the office from work. As much as I hate that compared to working from home, working from the office now has me having a commute back home before we can start gaming so whereas back in the day i could be finishing up at work and having my computer all ready to start gaming now i have to actually drive my butt home and get home and then turn on the computer to get gaming so if you guys have any questions concerns comments anything you want to say or even just drop back and drop by and say hey hit me up on facebook twitter 
Twitch. Definitely the Twitch, because, you know, that's where we've been getting with a lot of cool stuff that we get to, to share with you guys. And uh, we are getting ready for Wawa WestCon. Fingers are still crossed that it's happening in March. And that's going to be super fun because we have a lot of our fellow gamers and friends that are here. Also, on uh, going to have to record and then playback not live on the 22nd, our Android game, because we actually have friends coming into town and we're actually going to be able to see each other face to face for once. Social distancing and masks, of course. But we'll actually get to record an in-person game which will be really really nice because it's so nice to get back to gaming Alrighty, guys like always thank you for listening please let me know what you think and make sure that you hit that like and share so the algorithms know that we're out there because i've noticed the algorithms are really bad about sharing life because that's what they they do they want you to buy instead of share Alrighty, guys talk to you later Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.